right, welcome to another episode of Satisfying Static. Today's a little different. Uh, instead of doing a random word generator, we have a list of topics made by you guys. Christine Kapow followers. Yeah, the people on one of my TikTok lives early in the podcast inception made a list of requests for us to talk about. And we ran through the list this morning. We were like, you know, let's just start at the top and see where it takes us. So because- here, here we are. So excited. We're so excited. I already forgot what the first one was, so... Oh my god. Okay, so the first one is Death of the Value Meal. Oh, right! We were gonna save this for you as a special episode. Right. Um, But I do want to hear your initial thoughts on this, because obviously, as I mentioned, I don't really eat fast food, and so I didn't know that was dead. The Death of the Value Meal, for those of you non-US listeners, because I don't know if this is an international thing, the Value Meal... Or Rock, apparently, because I... Right. (laughs) <laughs> or if, yeah, if you don't eat fast food. So the value meal is like you go to McDonald's and you can buy off the dollar menu or the $2 menu or the $3 menu. Or back in the day, you used to be able to get like, you know, 15 things for 10 bucks or whatever. That has slowly died in the last probably, eh, I think five years has been on decline. The last two years, especially fast food has gone up significantly. I have noticed that with my Taco Bell orders. See? Okay, great. I mean, and Taco Bell is notorious for being the cheapest place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, even in the last year, so Taco Bell is a great example. I always got a chicken quesarito with mild sauce and chips and cheese and a large Baja Blast, and it was always like eight forty three. Now, I just got it like two nights ago at work, and it was like eleven sixty four or something like that. Okay. And I'm okay. like... Is it New England's fault or is it fast food? I don't know. And then my quick searching showed that, yes, it's not just Taco Bell. It's all fast food places. They are slowly getting away from a value meal and convincing you to buy less for more. Well, and also inflation and everything's super expensive right now. So like just grocery shopping in general, not even fast food. Um, So I think that probably has something to do Mm -hmm, with it as well. But I hear what you're, I hear you because I have heard like whatever on Twitter or something where people started started complaining when McDonald's did start taking away like dollar items and then added in like the like multiple price category menu. Like I kind of vaguely remember that. Um, but realistically, like with the cost of things and the way prices have been going up and in inflation, like it's it was impossible for anything to stay a dollar for right now, at least. Right, but, like, I have to imagine that their food costs have stayed relatively low. Like, not peak pandemic, but on either side of the pandemic, I have to imagine that supply chain issues haven't really been abundant for them. Probably not, especially, like, a McDonald's who owns a lot of their supply chain. I was going to say, McDonald's literally employs, like, most of the potato farming in the continental U.S., I think. Like... (laughs) I want... I want someone to look that up and verify, but I feel like that is 100% fact. So. I'm pretty sure it's true. I feel like I watched a – it might have been on Super Size Me. Did you ever watch Super Size Me? Oh, yeah. Well, throwback. Yeah, it was so good. The white Morgan Freeman is the guy in that. <laughs> um. Yes, I do. He did a couple other movies after that that weren't as big, but were equally as good. Yeah, yes. But I think in Super Size Me, when he's giving background on like McDonald's as a corporation, he talks about how they've they grew from this one restaurant location to yeah. owning. I, I yeah, I think it was like ninety percent of like potato farming or something crazy like that. I believe it. 
but I mean, no, you're right. Like they do um, own a lot of their supply chain and they can definitely reduce costs. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent on the same page with you. Like as McDonald's especially can't afford to keep a dollar menu and they're choosing not to. And that's shitty. Um, but I'll yeah, also say, like, I didn't notice this until I moved out to Boston, but fast food restaurants really only exist in lower socioeconomic locations. And I oh, didn't so- know that. Like, here in the city, for me to find a Burger King, I have to go oh. out of my way to find mm-hmm. a Burger King. Probably outside of city limits, honestly. <laughs> well, so where I live, there's one within five miles, and it's the only fast food restaurant there in the general vicinity. Everything yeah. else is like takeout restaurants or restaurants that you sit down in. And there, right. and, and I've I've said this about Boston a million times. I've complimented it a gazillion times. I love how much Boston is small business run and owned. Like there are tons of little restaurants here. There's not a ton of chain stuff. Like it's great. Yeah. But I was like, oh, back in the Midwest, you couldn't go six blocks without seeing fast food somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, I forget that you didn't grow up in, like, a big city. Right. I did not. No. <laughs> like, I did. So, like, I I am used to that. Um, that, like, within the city, you're just it's going to be harder to find fast food or the fast food is going to be fancy. Like, the Taco Bell in downtown Chicago is, like, also a bar. Um, right. like and it's like it's so wild to me and then I, it made me spiral into this like whole lower socioeconomic classes more often blue collar jobs blue collar workers don't want to go home and make dinner so they're more likely to stop for the convenience of getting food than not yeah and I'm like sure. oh that makes sense yeah I mean it's all capitalism excuse me so. <laughs> it's all capitalism yeah yeah it's all capitalism, all capitalism. At the end of the day. But yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, fast food lives off of the backs of lower economic classes because those people spend a lot of time working. And when you're spending most of your time working, you have very little time for anything else. Like uh, going to the grocery store and buying fresh food so that you can go home and make a healthy meal. Like, no, sometimes you have four kids to feed who are screaming and you work two jobs and you're the only parent. And what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, as an adult, and it's fucked up my whole my whole existence as an adult, because now as an adult, I'll be driving back home from work, and I take the Pike, which has three McDonald's on it. So there's four Ooh. plazas on the Pike, and there's three McDonald's at four of those plazas. Mm-hmm. And I often stop and get food on the way to work or on the way home. Mm-hmm. And I would do it much more than that if I was able to do it in the city because I am of the mentality like I just work 12 hours I don't want to come home and make dinner no for sure so I just I I don't know I found it fascinating that like but like Olivia is the opposite right Olivia's like never wants to hit a drive-thru like sometimes she'll hit a McDonald's but like more times than not she's like no we have snacks at home like we have food at home well, how did she grow up though I feel like the the same way right like she grew the total opposite of me is as far as like she grew up they yeah. ate at home, and whereas my mother was like, yeah, you want to go to the drive-thru? Here's my card. Go. See, like, that totally, I think, plays a huge factor in it because, like, we almost never went to fast food when I was growing up, um, and, like, now as an adult, I I mean, like, I don't get me wrong, I love my Taco Bell. This is obviously a commercial for Taco Bell, but, 
Um, like I would, I just don't really think about fast food as like food options. So like, even if I am like exhausted and I worked a really long day and I want to pick up food, like I'm generally ordering from a sit down restaurant. And if I am thinking about fast food, it's like, because Taco Bell is a comfort food or because I'm on the road. Like for me, fast food is like a necessity. Like I have no other options. So this is what I have to oh, eat. See that. So I wonder if that's a differentiator, mm-hmm. a necessity versus want. And to me, all fast food is comfort food. So I, I very much oh. use it as like an emotional crutch. It was like, I don't know if you remember last year, I did that 19 day food challenge where I forced myself to eat what was in my house. Yeah, that was so fun to watch you it, torture. Yourself. It was awful. It was so hard because I was living off fast food every single day for three meals a day. Like I just was. Yeah. I was, and it is that's gross because I feel like I'm lighting my money on fire. But oh yeah, we can have a separate conversation about that because yeah. I absolutely. Oh, but like, it was an emotional comfort food for me. It reminded me of home. It reminded me of. You know, after a bad day, my mom would often be like, all right, let's order from this restaurant called Hollers. And we would get this restaurant, you know, delivered to our house. And so, like, I've told Olivia this a bunch, and especially lately as we've been planning a wedding. (laughs) I'm like, there are two things I will pay for every time. And I will pay through the nose for every time. Helping friends or family, fine. And food. Yeah, I will pay through the nose for a good meal and I'll pay even more if that good meal means that I don't have to clean up after it. I don't have to <laughs> deal with the kitchen stuff after it. I didn't yeah. have to make the meal <laughs> if it gets delivered to me. Like yeah. people are like, oh my God, you spent, this is not us, but you spent $200 on a meal and they're like criticizing someone who spends $200 on a meal. And I'm like, nope, I see that. I get that. Was it a good meal? I'm good yeah. with that. I hear you. But so like <clears throat> part of that, I also wonder if it's for us an ADHD piece, because cooking, making meals, all of those steps are a lot of things. And some days I very much just cannot. Yep. Like I have simple options in my refrigerator. I will absolutely not cook for myself because it is too many steps to open a bag and get out a pan and put in water and do like, no. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and me and Olivia have talked a lot about this. Um, and it's part of why I, I need to get that book, ADHD and Relationships. And it's oh, yeah. like, I have a lot of trauma from my kitchen, which I didn't know that I had, but that's where I used to get yelled at a lot. Like my mom had this like anal retentive <laughs> thing about the dishwasher. And so okay. I don't like the dishes. Like when I was living alone, it was fine to mess with the dishes. But now like I get so anxious that like Olivia's going to yell at me for putting the dishes in wrong or whatever. And she's never yelled at me for that. She's never yelled at me for that. Yeah. But there's some weird like back trauma. So like very recently I was like, hey, sweetie, why don't I do everything else in the house and the kitchen mm-hmm. is just yours? Yeah, that's fair. Like I'll do everything. And I'm like, I don't want you to feel like I'm forcing you to do all the kitchen stuff. But like putting stuff in like leftover containers is as far as I can go some days. Yeah. And that's fair. And she's been very understanding <laughs> of that. But Okay, we should move on. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> I feel like this one was was taking us all over the place. It was going to a couple interesting places. But now we're but... only talking about food, and I haven't eaten yet. So now I'm like, oh, should I DoorDash oh, McDonald's? I haven't, I haven't eaten yet either, but, like, <sighs> yeah. No, for sure. The DoorDash has definitely gotten me in trouble. But, again, like, 
having ADHD and living by yourself is very difficult, as you know. And so if sometimes it's the only way that I will eat today, we're going to spend the $35 or whatever for, you know, a burrito. Uh, yeah, 100%. I broke my cardinal rule the other day. I went, like, longer than six hours without eating, and I didn't even notice that I had done it. Like, Oh, I- that's a good rule have i do not have that rule i regularly go days without eating oh no i i command myself after six hours so it's it's ridiculous how do you keep up with that so after so like i always note what time i woke up so today i woke up at like 9 15 9 something around there and i like as soon as i wake up I'm like all right what's six hours from 9 15 i'm like ah, three is 12 15 so 3 15 i was like if i haven't eaten anything like even a snack by 3 15 I have okay. I have failed for the day and I need to eat something or it's a problem. Oh, okay. Because, That's an interesting <laughs> because then when my body eventually tells me that I'm hungry, I will already be past the, the buffer you get of being hangry. I will go from hungry to just pissed <laughs> off, irritated, right. hating everybody, and I don't know why. <laughs> and it's yeah. because I haven't eaten in six hours. Yeah, okay. That's fair. So, that makes sense. And it's a math exercise for me because my, my brain isn't very good at, at mathing. Okay. So when I wake up and force myself to do like six hours, that helps me math better with times. It's like challenging enough. Yeah, that was my medication reminder. Oh, good, good, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's... It, I'm not always good at following that rule, but the other day I, I broke it hardcore and like hadn't eaten in like nine hours. And my girlfriend was like, or fiance, I guess, was like, what the fuck? And I was like, I, I don't know. I need to eat now. We were like on our way to see a venue and I was like, all right, I'm hungry. Do you think we're going to have a snack there? <laughs> and then I was like, I went into seeing this venue like irritated as, as F because I hadn't eaten. Right. So. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's like, I don't know, easy to forget for whatever reason and also like the medication doesn't help because it suppresses the appetite so i that's a really good rule to set for yourself i've learned to carry snacks in my bag i carry them but i won't eat them see that happens to me a lot too but if i'm desperate or it's a situation like that where like i'm going into somewhere and there won't be snacks and i have no opportunity i'll a nutrient bar into my face so I've been packing lunch, and on days that we don't have leftovers for lunch, I try and pack stuff to make a sandwich. But I'll get to work. Yeah, it's too many. It needs to already be completed. Yep. So I'll yeah. get to work, and I'll be like sitting there, and I'm like, oh, no. oh man, making a sandwich sounds awful. Fuck it, DoorDash. What do you guys want? Who wants? Who wants no. what? Boo boo, you're misunderstanding. I bring children snacks <laughs> that are all packaged in little containers. So that I don't have to do anything except pull pull out a little bag of goldfish pretzels or a Nutrigrain bar or fruit snacks or a juice box. Like, literally, I carry around snacks for toddlers. You know, I had this talk with myself the other day (laughs) about how, like, you know, the bigger packages of things are cheaper than, like, you know, the individual package things. I'm like... But the convenience of the thing already being in a container for me to just take and yeet into my bag is better. Yeah. Is worth the money to some extent. Like, yeah. So I had this conversation with my therapist actually because, like, I carry a lot of guilt for producing extra trash than I mm. need to with those things because, like, it is a lot of waste in the individually packaged things. Yeah. And, like, 
where like, we'll just buy a big container and put them into little Ziploc baggies yep. or whatever. And it's like, okay, but the buying a big container and putting them into Ziploc baggies is the problem for me. And that's not going to happen. Um, and so my therapist was like, can I suggest that maybe those items are made as tools for people like you? Like oh. they're... They're tools for parents who have kids and don't have a lot of time but need to get their kids fed. But they're also tools for people who struggle with certain things. And this just makes their lives easier. Like if if it means that I'm going to eat today because I bought like a whole box of like individually packaged goldfish crackers, I'm eating today. Right. So I've like tried to switch the narrative and like I do my best where I can. But like, you know, I have reusable straws or whatever (laughs) I try to recycle but like I do my best where I can and like when there are weeks where I like I'm on top of it and I can do that stuff like great I do but most of the time I can't and Marie our guest star for today this is the neighbor (laughs) this is the neighbor cat who screams outside and then comes in and screams (laughs) he screams so I had to let him in um he's not my cat but he is today um but yeah so she was like you know maybe they're made for people like you and maybe it's okay that you have to use those sometimes and there's nothing to be ashamed of about that and like that's really changed my relationship with those snacks those types of things and food in general like I'm no longer I'm no longer trying to do food like most people do food it doesn't work for me so I've had to change that that is very that is very helpful that makes me feel much better because I've, I've had that that talk with myself for like I have a box of Cheez-Its in front of me. When I'm on my way to work, taking the box of Cheez-Its out and putting them into a bag on my Rockstar A-plus day mornings, absolutely. But most mornings, I'm like, I cannot be bothered to open the box. It's like there's a – we talk about like a rate-limiting step in science lingo a lot. Of Like this is the thing that limits your rate, right? Like this is the thing that is stopping you from being able to do things. I'm explaining rate-limiting step very badly. But – but the extra action of opening the box and getting out a baggie and getting it in there and then remembering to put the box away and remembering to put that in yeah. my, I mean, that is my rate limiting step. That is no, my, I- that is my like, no, homie, this ain't going to work for you. And like, really, I think it, like you said, it just depends on the day. Like some days we're going to wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Cheese, it's in a baggie. I'm off to work. Who cares? But the reality is most days the all of those things are too much there're too many steps and like it, it may seem silly and like i deal with a lot of embarrassment about like even saying this out loud because i feel like most people aren't going to understand like what do you mean it's a lot of steps like taking out the trash is a five step process and if i'm interrupted and in, during repeating any one of those steps i'm going to forget what i'm doing so like you need to leave me alone while i complete this five step trash yeah. taking out process yeah or if if depending on what the interruption is i will not even remember that i started to do that <laughs> yeah totally in like 15 <laughs> minutes like it's just gone and oh, my, oh no, I'll, I'll like pull the trash out of the bag, turn around and already have forgotten that I was doing Yeah, that. you turn around and you're like, oh, but there's this can on the counter. Let me rinse that and put that away really quick. And then you do it and then you come back to center and you're like, and now there's something I need to pick up. Like that's how ADHD cleaning works for me. Like that's how it works for me too. Especially unmedicated ADHD cleaning. Like if I'm unmedicated and I'm starting to clean the kitchen or whatever, I'm like, all right, here's a can that needs rinsed and put away. Oh, the toaster needs unplugged. Um, Here's yeah. like 
a dish that needs put away and I, and I, I bounce mm-hmm. around all that way. And then by the time I sit back down, I'm like, Oh, the trash. Right. <laughs> I went into the kitchen for the trash. Like it's a whole thing. I Googled rate limiting step cause I thought I was describing it wrong and I was. So oh, let me, okay. uh, in chemical kinetics, the overall rate of a reaction is often approximately determined by the slowest step known as the rate determining step or rate limiting step. So like, Making aspirin takes three hours, but it only takes three hours because the step in the middle of a certain compound drying out takes that long. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But your rate limiting step would just vary every time for every task. Right. So cleaning my kitchen takes me eight and a half hours because in the middle of it, I decided to use a toothbrush to scrub the inside of the fridge. And that is that day's rate limiting step. Yeah, yeah, been there, been there, been there, yeah. or whatever. The girl looks extra dirty today, so let's just scrub the entire bathroom floor. Yeah, the other day I was working at the urgent care um, that I work at, you know, part time or whatever, and I had all this computer stuff I wanted to get done. I was really excited about doing it. I had some time in between patients. I looked down at the keyboard, and it was the most disgusting keyboard I've ever seen in my entire life. And I just started picking off the fucking keys and wiping down the keys. And before yeah, I knew yeah. it. It was two hours later. All the time in between patients was gone. I only got half of the keyboard before one of the MAs came back and was like, there's a patient to be seen. And I was like, (laughs) how long have they been there? They're like, only 10 minutes, but you're usually pretty good about that. So we got a little worried and came back and and we found you in in this. And I'm like, you're correct. Let me just, I'll put these keys back on and we'll we'll go see the patient. And then one of them was like, do you get paid for that? I was like, no, but it's disgusting. There's like crumbs and like pieces of things in this keyboard. I was like, clearly (laughs) nobody takes care of this keyboard. And she's like, no, yeah, great. Glad you're doing that. But like, what? (laughs) And I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's hard to explain. I've like, I've come to the realization and the conclusion that um, I've been doing a lot of um, inferring, like I assume that people understand what I'm talking about at a certain point because like I would understand it, but obviously like we all only know things from our own experience and our own like biases and whatever. And so I've now been taking the extra step to be very clear about what's happening in my head because I can't assume that people know. Um, and it's been enlightening to be honest. Yeah, that's so hard. It's so hard. It, it, it's so it, it like in medicine, I'm used to slowing down and explaining every little bit to people because lay people don't know. Right. right. But something that my ex would comment on often is that I would start a sentence in my brain, not realize oh, yeah. yeah, not realize that I had started a sentence in my brain and then just finish up. Yep. And then just start yep. talking. And then she looks yep. over at me and she's like, what the fuck did you just, where did that come from? And it would be like the silliest things, guys, right? So like we're driving right. and I'm looking at the right. stoplight and a bird lands on the stoplight and then the bird flies off. And I think of like the bird flying away to the sound of the song Danger Zone from Top Gun. Right? Like, I went to the right. Danger Zone. Right. 
But also, you probably, like, if this happens to me, like, you don't remember that you didn't say the first part out loud, so now you're arguing because they're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and you're like, no. Yes. I explained it to you. 100%. And so in that instance, instead of saying anything else, I just go, danger zone. And she just (laughs) looks at me, and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I go, oh, the bird that flew away, and she's like, but why did you think that the bird flying away meant that you should sing Danger Zone? And do you realize that you didn't say any of that to me? Right. So, like, so here's the more interesting part as I've been, like, coming, like, realizing some of these things. My ex that I lived with for, like, seven years, who I am very convinced was autistic and neither of us were diagnosed during the time, um, he would do that to me all the time, but I would do it back. Mm -hmm. So we would just have these neurodivergent conversations where like we understood each other fine. Like our relationship had a lot of issues obviously, but he was one of my best friends for a really long time. And part of that was because I always felt like he accepted my weird, but it was because he was weird too. Cause we were both like, (laughs) weird neurotypical shit but like when we were alone and home together it wasn't weird yeah because it was just stuff that felt normal like stimming or making weird noises he would make pterodactyl sounds all the time and i just make dinosaur sounds back like for no reason out of the blue and it wasn't weird right like for us you're like oh yeah okay like that seems normal but then we'd be out in public and people be like what the fuck is like do do the same things and so I'm realizing now like I'm trying to have conversations with people who are not Kevin and like I'm doing kind of the same things and expecting the same reactions and I'm not getting them because they're not neurodivergent and so they really have no idea what I'm talking about where he would just fill in the blanks or play along or he'd be like I thought we were doing a skit and I'd be like okay I guess we are (laughs) It's so funny that you say that because I'm just now realizing like a light bulb went off as you said pterodactyl noises that I 100% make a pterodactyl type sound when I'm alone. I've I've never made the sound in front of Olivia and I'm realizing it. It is my alone time. You need to hear your own voice and like sound thing. I feel like it's a stim for me. Like it's, if it, you know how like when you're, I don't know if you do this, but when I'm alone, I'm much more animated because a lot of them are stims, like they're self-soothing things. So like sometimes I will just like do weird shakes or like make weird noises out of nowhere. But like for me, it feels like a stim, like I'm just kind of self-soothing. I don't know that I know the <laughs> definition of that though. Oh, a yeah. stim? Okay. This, is, this whole episode has like totally gone off the rails and become entirely ADHD, but I think that's what we were here for. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, basically it's like any kind of like physical action that you do to self-soothe. And we all do this all the time. Like a lot of people will do like this action or like where you kind of like squeeze your hands together. That's a self-soothing action. Or like if people are in a crowd and stand kind of like this, this like hugging yourself is a self-soothing thing. People do that when they're like uncomfortable or feel threatened So, like, all of those we do and see all the time. The difference for, like, you and me or, like, someone who has autism is, like, we stim much more animatedly, which, go figure, because we do everything much more animatedly. But, um, so, like, our stims, like, sometimes I do, like, this thing, which I also see, like, a lot of kids with autism do. 
um, or like, I'll, like one of these, or like I'll make weird noises, or I have like I, I I've started realizing that a lot of my stims in public are from like masking. So I do a lot of like kneading my hands or like with my fists. I play with my hair a lot. Those are all like ways to help manage my like hyperactivity. I have a lot of these. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm now sure. that we're talking I about them, I'm like, oh I like I like I I I tug on my ear so much that I've like stretched it out and like <laughs> You're very, very good at masking, but I don't think you realize how often you're doing it all the time. So I think like I've just I'm I'm just starting to pull away those layers. Like I'm just trying to be much more because it's exhausting. It's fucking tiring to, to like control yourself like that all the time, day in and day out. Because like I don't know if you do this. You're very good at like not talking too fast, but I have to constantly remind myself like, whoa, slow down. I get slow I down. get yelled at all the time. People tell oh, oh. go go creep the comments of any of my videos. Oh, you talk way too fast. <laughs> See, and that's the thing, like, and this is one thing that, like, neurotypicals will never understand. I always say this to people, like, I can, I can guess that you have ADHD within three interactions, because as soon as we start having a conversation, we're both going to speed up, because I don't, I'm understanding you just fine, you're understanding me just fine, we don't really need to slow down, and so at some point in those conversations, my brain is like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it's because it's because I can say something just as fast and you can hear it, process it and respond just as fast. And like this happens at work all the time where I'll like walk into a patient's room and I'll, I'll walk them through what I'm doing. And I, I go from zero to 100. I tell them everything that's going to happen from zero to, to finish. And by the time I walk out, they're like, I need you to say everything again at half speed. I know it drives me crazy it makes me so but yeah yeah exactly that and or like just anything like I, uh I had a out-of-town guest this past weekend we were hanging out on the co couch like scrolling and and we were looking at um the same like we were looking at we were looking up if this what apartment prices were and we were looking on the same like website and she was like oh this one's cute and I was like uh-huh I was like, oh, and this one, and this one, and this one. I was like, did you see this one yet? And she literally looked at me and was like, I don't scroll as fast as you do. <laughs> I've done, me and Olivia have done this. I've done this with, um, uh, like venues and stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, like I've already looked at here. I've already like checked all the boxes in my head, moving on. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like next. Yeah. By the time she's so thing, I was like, I saw that like three minutes ago. Like, when well, and I, I, I want to say when people tell us to slow down, I often have to think so hard about slowing down that I sound like I'm yeah. mocking you by going so much slower, <laughs> but it's because my brain can't figure out the middle ground between a thousand and zero. It just can't. Well, it's just like you, there's no, there's no like lever, right? There's no like, there's no way to like change the speed. So like, I can change how quickly I'm talking, but my brain is still moving just as fast. So if I'm concentrating on finishing this sentence, my brain is already five sentences ahead and I've forgotten what we're talking well, about. Well, and then I'll skip the next four sentences, right? So then I had all this, I had this big long speech planned for you and I've skipped everything in the middle and now we're just at the end. And then I just look at you like, okay, great. Any questions? And then you're like, you said you were going <laughs> to explain this. And I was like, oh, right. I didn't because you asked me to talk at snail's pace in my mind, which is normal human. <laughs> and so my brain was so focused on doing that. It was like, what is that? Oh my God. What is that old show? It was like Dexter's laboratory where he's like, really, he's like, he's like, 
he's like super like stressed about something and he's like sweating and like you know his like big purple gloves are holding something like that is what my brain feels like it's doing like i i have sweat pouring down my forehead as i'm trying to just like think of every word you need yeah. me to say and how to say it and right. how to say it so it makes sense and not say it too fast and i'm and then i get super self-conscious i'm like oh my god am i still talking too fast is it slow enough for you <laughs> should i slow it down more if i slow it down more you're gonna feel like i'm talking to you like you're stupid because you're not stupid this is for me this is not you this is for me yeah so i've started like and i actually was doing this before i was diagnosed and just didn't realize that this is probably why i had to do this but um i've started like prefacing that with an explanation like not an explanation of like uh I have ADHD but just being like hey just so you know I'm a very fast talker and I know that this is true feel free to stop me at any time you need me to, do you need me to explain something if I'm speaking too fast let me know if you need me to go over something let me know I will not be offended I'm happy to repeat myself right and, and I I should do more of that and I think what annoys me the most is when people are like you're a mumbler I'm like mm. I don't think I'm a mumbler. I think I talk too quickly that your brain just missed the middle words and shoved them into one word. I think so, because I get that all the time that I mumble, I'm a mumbler, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know that I, I know that I do that sometimes, but we all mumble sometimes. Right, right. You didn't need to hear it. Um, But like, yeah, I agree. I think most of the time is like, I had a thought and I said it really fast and your brain couldn't process it. Right. And that feels gross. Like, it feels like I'm putting the blame on someone else. So I don't say that often. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Let me back up and say it again. (laughs) And then, and that's, I think that's also why a lot of us at the end of a long slew of our thoughts go, does that make sense? Totally. Like I do that all the time. All, All my patients all the time. I'm like, does that make sense? And then they're like, um, I think so. And I'm like, any questions? And then they're like, um, I don't think so. And then I walk out of the room and then it all like hits them like a bus. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, that, yeah. And then like 10 minutes, they call me back in and they're like, so I did have a question. And I'm like, <laughs> got it. Yeah. Hit me with it. Like I don't, I, I try not to get annoyed when patients have questions after I leave the room. What annoys me is when I spend all this time knowing that I'm going slow, explaining something complex and they're like on their phone and like ignoring me. And then call me back in to ask a question that I've already explained. Because then I'm like, no, I gave you a chance. (laughs) It's different if I mess up the chance and you need me to come back. It's another thing if you're a jerk and not listening. Fair. Fair, We should probably end the episode. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I was going to say, like, we're getting close on time. And I know you and I can probably keep talking about this for a while, so... Oh, welcome to, and I'm wearing my dopamine deprived shirt today for everyone that's listening and not watching, which is appropriate. That is appropriate. That is appropriate. Well, this was a lovely value meal start and ADHD end. (laughs) I forgot. That's how this started, obviously. Value meals and then the kitchen and then cleaning. And now we're here. Okay. So we got through the first question. I'm glad we had a list. So now we have several episodes. Yes. So... Thanks for listening. That was great. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Until next time. (laughs) Bye.